Come on, it's one voice today. We say, be the crown. Oh, be the crown in the light and sound. Be the fire burning inside out. Be the love casting out all fear. Let you name the
glad that you joined us for service today. As we move on, would you step out from your seat and greet the people around you? Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the assembly today. It's a great day. You look great. Are you excited this morning? We've got a lot to celebrate today. This is a day of celebration, and I want you to get excited about a few great things today. First of all, if you're a guest with us today, we want to say thank you for joining us. There is a card in the seat back of your chair. We ask that you fill it out and drop it in the offering as your gift to us so that we can get to know you a little bit better. Come on, let's hear it for our guests this morning. Yeah. 50 is a big number this weekend, a lot going on with 50. I see some jerseys out there. I've tried hard not to tip my hand on who I'm cheering for today, but uh, go Broncos is all I gotta say right there, huh? It's pretty good. You like that? I, I went through a lot of trouble to cheer for my team. My uh, wife wouldn't let me get a tattoo, so I got that one. That joke was written by Mr. Rince right there. Thank you, appreciate that. He wanted, to, he wanted to be a part of this. Too funny. 50's a big weekend. We hope you have a great time celebrating with family and friends today and all that's going on. Hey, if you wouldn't know, Friday night, 50 points. Summit Christian Academy put 50 points on Lincoln Christian and defeated them in overtime. How about that? That was awesome. I was so excited. I was jumping up and down. Uh, hopefully nobody recorded any of that. But that same night also happened to be the 50th birthday of our own Pastor Ron Woods. Come on, let's give Pastor Ron some happy birthday love this morning. Yes. How many of you remember when 50 used to feel old? Sound old. Some of you have no clue. Oh, it's getting closer for me. Let's not go there. Well, happy birthday, Pastor Ron. We love and appreciate you. Uh, that's such an exciting and uh, a great accomplishment for you. It's good, good stuff. Well, there was a great activity that happened here on campus yesterday. It was our victorious women's luncheon. This has been an annual tradition where we celebrate the Valentine's weekend with ladies who are single or perhaps widowed. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful themed event. This year it happened to be themed as a 50s party. I think uh, Ricky and Lucy even showed up and it was just a fantastic time. Thanks to everybody who got to be a part of that and who were involved. Come on, let's give it up for them. Good times. Great way to celebrate Valentine's for those folks. And uh, this Wednesday night, our kids are having a big Valentine's party. It's God's love party. Always bring your kids on Wednesday night. There's always something fun going on, but this Wednesday night in particular is gonna be a blast. Make sure they're here on Wednesday night for God's love party. You know, a couple of years ago, Tim Hawkins, a Christian comedian, came and shared and did two shows here at the assembly. And we're excited to be able to host him again. If you missed it, it was, crazy. It was fun. As a matter of fact, I remember specifically one point during the concert, he went down and chose a random person out of the crowd and just started kind of 
dancing or twirling and, and it turned out he didn't know who it was, but it was Pastor Ron that he grabbed. And it was a beautiful moment that we'll all never forget. I have video, it's held in deep locked vaults of the assembly. Uh, someday, Pastor, that might come out, but it's not time yet. It, we're not there. Uh, I don't wanna do that to you yet, but it was a lot of fun. Hey, if you haven't got tickets for this Tim Hawkins event, it's gonna be great. If you don't know who Tim is, check out this invitation that he sent for us. Hey there, Tim Hawkins here. You know, I just heard some good news. I am coming to your area very, very soon to bring my comedy, more so a ministry, the ministry of laughter. You know, laughter is God's medicine to the soul. It's a salve. It's a gentle balm. I understand that Prozac is also, a, well, never mind. But I hope I see you there at the show. And I just, I tell you what, I just can't wait till I'm actually there with you at the great church that is known as, uh, pardon me. I, okay, I didn't agree to that. I didn't agree to go in there. I'm, no, are you serious? Are you serious? No, I am not going there. You get my manager on the phone now, buddy. No! No! Well, Tim is thrilled to be joining us here at the Assembly. Sunday, February 28th, there'll be two shows, 3 o'clock and 7 o'clock. I encourage you, get your tickets, get them early. It's going to be great. If, uh, if you're interested or available and you'd like to sign up to be, a, be on our dream team for that day, you could do that on the website. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Hey, and you'll even get a free ticket to enjoy the show if you serve that day. It's going to be great. As our ushers are coming this morning, let's celebrate all that God's done in our lives today. Come on. It's a great opportunity for us to give back to God. He's given us so much. I want to thank you again for being here today and for your faithfulness throughout the year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, and we thank you for this day. You've got such great things planned for us today. We look forward to celebrating and continuing this day of celebration uh, because of what you've done in us. Father, as we give today, bless gift and giver alike. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.
Stand to your feet as we continue in worship today.
Lord God, we believe that freedom is in your grace. The chains do break. The fact that your name is above every name, it speaks of what you accomplished when you gave your life for us. There's no comparison. Today, there is no power that comes close to the power of your love toward each one in this room. Lord, enough power to reach to the depths of their soul and help them to know that you see them, you love them, and you can make the difference. Lord God, I thank you that you're in control, that you are out in front, that as chaotic as life may be at times, you can sort it out and you can bring order. You can bring peace. Thank you, God, right now for the work of your presence in our heart so that we are not defeated, but we're victorious. We receive that. We thank you for it. Lord, even in this room, it's like chains have been broken off of our perspective, off of our attitude. Lord God, we're able to even celebrate your love for us. And we're able with hope to look toward tomorrow because you are in control right now. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. That's it. Go ahead. Just let the Lord know, hey, I'm in. And I received this. Praise God. God bless you, everyone. And you can be seated today. What an awesome, incredible day. Thank you for the birthday wishes. And coming into this year, knowing that this would be the year that I you know, hit the, the big 5-0, I came in with a, with a certain prayer, and I'm going to talk to you about that, talk to you about the journey. Many of you posted these wishes on my, my Facebook, and one of the things that got repeated, you know, coming into this day, let me show it to you, here it is, put it on the screen, it says that you should be as excited about church, about church as about the Super Bowl, you agree? So when your pastor makes a point this Sunday, pour Gatorade over his head. Man, that's the church I want to pastor. Like, it's so good. We can't help it. We just got to go three free over his head. Hey, I'll settle for like an amen. Like, just the occasional like, yes, or yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, we are alive. This is, the church is alive. We're, yeah. That, yeah. You know, we'll get to the Gatorade. This right here is like, I'm basking in this. This is the greatest birthday present you could give me right here. It's always better when we talk to each other. If I'm the only one talking, it'll be so much longer. And so if you want to shrink the sermon down, just talk back a little bit. Amen? Yeah, thank you, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leadership, leadership. There's a young man in our church, and he is going to be involved. There's a preaching competition coming up. And it's a short sermon that he's going to give. It can only be five minutes long. He says to his mom, enter me in the competition. He says, I'm going to do this. He said, however, I've never heard a short sermon. He's gone here all of his life. So, you know, I can't help him at all. Somebody else can help him with that. Seven years ago this Sunday, our family had the high honor of becoming your pastors. It's been the most amazing seven years. I love you so much. 
27 years ago, Kelly and I started pastoring and had the distinct privilege of being lead pastor of my home church at age 23. So last Sunday night, we got to go back and they had a special Sunday night service and I was able to minister back at my home church. It's been years since I preached there, uh, being raised there. My mom and dad went with us. They are the single greatest influence on my life. On either side of my family, there's not like a preacher or a pastor. All I ever knew were Christian people, church people. And so I'm in this room last Sunday night with my mom and dad and all these people that were shaping influencers in my life growing up. And then I had the privilege of pastoring them for 11 years. There are pastors that I'll even reference in this message, but the profound impact on my life has been made by people just faithful to Jesus and faithful to go to church. All I ever knew was Pine Bluff First Assembly of God. It's the only church we ever attended. When I graduated high school, went to Springfield, Missouri, to college, was there four years, then returned and became the pastor. But growing up, that's the only church we ever attended. So as I look back on that experience and like the culture of the church, the DNA that is such a part of who I am. And then being on this journey for 27 years as a pastor, and now age 50. I read a book years ago, but I reread it over the last few weeks. It's called Halftime, and it speaks of how, like, at the first half of your life, you're really working, running fast and hard, trying to gain a measure of success so that when you get 50 and you turn that corner, you're looking at the second half and you want to ask the question, how do I go from success to significance? And it, it calls you to like draw a square on a piece of paper. It's an empty square. And you got to put one thing in that square that would be significance to you for the second half. And it would kind of frame how you passionately pursue God and you live out the call that is on your life. So preaching... Last Sunday night, and reflecting on growing up there, pastoring there, and then this 27-year journey, being here now seven years, and in between last Sunday and this Sunday, I got to go and be in a conference that was hosted and led by Pastor Tommy Barnett, and he is the single greatest influencer as a pastor on my life. My early 20s, I got an opportunity to go sit in ministry that he was leading and it changed my thinking. And anytime you change your thinking, you change your life. It changed the trajectory of my life. It changed how I pursued doing what God had called me to do. It helped me so much. So I've just been indebted to him. And so this past Wednesday night, at age 78, he preached. And I watched as he brought with such inspiration and energy the word God had put in his heart. And so that was kind of the, the culminating night where I filled in the blank, I filled in the box. And that's what I want to talk about today. It is part of being 10 times better. It's not as much about Daniel. I've got one last message out of Daniel's life next Sunday. Today is kind of like a special insert. And I want to tell you what I've inserted in that box. I would sum it up like this. I want to spend my life. Significance to me would be helping people Get back up again. And what I mean by that is at the end of my life, it would be significance to me if person after person would say to me, 
along the way in life, I was down, I was out, I had no hope of getting up again, but you believed in me, you had faith for me, and you helped me get back on my feet again. That would be, that's it. That's significance, and that's what I'm going to live for. Proverbs says this, and I want you to see it. Proverbs 24, verse 16. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. In Acts chapter 3, there's a guy named Peter and a guy named John, and they're going to the temple. They're going to church one afternoon for an afternoon prayer meeting. And as they're going, it says that they looked intently on this man who was there begging. He was lame. He had been in that condition since birth. And now he, he's there just begging so he can cope and make it one more day. The Bible says that Peter looked intently like he saw him. And, and my prayer is, God, I, I don't want to just be aware that there are hurting people that have been knocked down by life. I want to see them. And as he saw him, he heard the man begging. And Peter knew that he needed much more than just silver and gold. That would have only gotten him through one more day. Peter knew he needed the power of grace and Jesus in his life. And so Peter ministered to him the power of Jesus. And here's what the Bible says. That Peter and John, they, they bent over and they lifted this man. He hasn't ever walked. And the Bible says as they lifted, that's very critical, as they lifted him, God strengthened the man's ankles and feet. God did a miracle. And then the man started walking, running, jumping, and praising God until everyone in church, the guy comes in church that they had seen on a daily basis begging. He had been lame for years. And now here he is a miracle praising God as he walks, runs, and jumps. I want God to so empower me with faith in His grace that I will have enough faith for people when they don't believe that they can get up themselves. And I would love for us to be that kind of church because there are a lot of people, the culture has knocked them down, sin has knocked them down, the past and guilt have them down, and they need someone who will believe for them and just bend over and lift them up and know that in the lifting is where the miracle happens. And then they, like this man in Acts 3, will be a testimony of what the power of grace can do in a person's life. Oh, what a, what a passionate focus to lift those who are down. To say, get back up, you can do it. And when they say, no, I can't, you can believe it for them. You have the faith to see that they can Get back on their feet. Here's what John wrote. This man who loved Jesus so much. This is in 1 John chapter 3. Even if we feel guilty, and we will, God is greater than our feelings. Can you say amen? That's Gatorade moment right there. Like God is greater than our feelings. That means my, my feelings don't get to determine, dictate, dominate, or lead me around. Because there's something greater than my feelings. My feelings are powerful. Yours are powerful. And they would say to us, that's our reality. But there's something greater than our feelings. It says God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. 
Let me show you this in the NIV. If our hearts condemn us, and they will, anytime you get knocked down, anytime you fall down spiritually, your heart will condemn you. But notice this. We know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. That self-talk that goes on in your mind that tells you it's over, you've gone too far, you've done too much, this is it, it's done, and you are lying in your shame and your guilt, I want to tell you there's something greater than your heart, and that is the power and the love of God. When I was 16, I started working at a retirement center. I did so until I was 18 and graduated and went off to college. And so in my senior year, I got out of school every day at 1.30 on this early work release program. I clocked in at 2. And my first job, my first task was to vacuum the dining room. There were 400 residents. So the dining room was like the size of our hospitality room times 2. And I would get there and I would go into that dining room and I thought, Wow, it looked like a bomb had gone off in there. I'm sure it wasn't that bad, but you know how it is when it's your job and you got to do it. It always seems worse. And so I would strap on the vacuum cleaner, move all those chairs, and I'd get it all cleaned up. And at 5 o'clock was dinner. And so my last job of the day was to go back in there after dinner and clean it up again. It made me hate dinner. I would see these people coming. There was three hallways, the two hall, the four hall, the six hall. I'm like, no, no, go back home. And it's like, they're coming to this dining room and it's like, I told you, the dining room was as big as this room right here, like big as Texas, it had to be. And here are all these people coming for dinner. No, no, but there it was and I thought, Many days at 2 o'clock, clock in. I'm in the dining room, vacuuming. I thought, this is pointless. This is colossal, like a colossal waste of time. Who thinks that this is efficient? And I think that that is a pretty solid metaphor of many who fall down and mess up their lives, you say, hey, get up. And they say, why? I'm just going to mess it up all over again. I know me, it won't be but a few hours. And I'll mess it up again. So I want you to get to the level of what I'm talking about today. I'm talking to people, you have no hope. You have given up. You're just surviving. You're just coping. You're not begging for money, but it is a great picture of how you are, you're doing what you do to just get through another day. Because the idea of cleaning up and getting up and going forward and having a change where your past is not your future, that's a, a, a long gone dream. 
I'm saying, get up. And I'm here as a pastor to help you get up. And I get it, you don't think you can, but I think you can. This church thinks you can. But you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. My life is far worse than that nuclear disaster that you saw after the lunch where you worked. And it's, it, there's no way to clean this up. Yes, there is. Because now we're talking about a miracle that none of us can clearly articulate. It's the miracle of grace that knows no measure, it has no boundary. There, there's nothing so deep that it can't get there. There's nothing so strong that it can't overcome. It is a chain-breaking grace. You can get up today. Let's go back to Proverbs. There's a key word here. It says, for though the righteous fall. Interesting words, isn't it? Righteous, though the righteous fall why are we righteous how could we be righteous there's only one way and that is through the grace of Jesus which means it's through the life the kind of life the death, the kind of death that he died and the fact that he even overcame death Paul was writing about this and he said of Jesus he who knew no sin became, everybody say became. became. He became sin that we might become. Say become the righteousness of God. And the gospel is there in those two words, became, become. He became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. No one can earn it, pay for it, live up to it. It is the merit of another. It is the merit of Jesus Christ. Because his, his life and his death was so thorough and so complete and so acceptable unto God. In his death, he was taking your place and mine. So that when we fall, and we surely will. So that when our heart condemns us, and it surely will. There's one greater than our heart. There's one greater than our failure, and that is the incredible, all-loving Jesus Christ who took our place, died, and rose again so you can fall seven times and keep getting back up. Seven times just means keep getting up. Get back up today. I wonder who I'm talking to. You came in just to go through the motions of another church service. You barely made it here. You didn't even want to come. You have no plans of coming again, but you're here today through all of the mess. You hear something way more than my voice. You hear a voice behind the voice, which is where real preaching happens. And the voice behind the voice is saying to you, get up. But I've gone too far. It's pointless. You don't know how messed up it is. And what that means is that somehow what you did has made what Jesus did invalid for you. Which would mean 
that for all humanity, when Jesus said, it is finished, and it meant he had completed the work, there would be no more dying for sin because he had done it once and for all. That somehow your weekend or your season, your situation somehow now makes that invalid. And I'm telling you, that is that, that helpless self-talk of your heart. That's not God. That would mean that God has given up on you. That this message, it may work for some, but not for you. Because for you, you've gone too far, and therefore God has given up on you. But the fact is, and this is supported by more scripture than than we could ever count, is that God hasn't given up on you. And I will tell you when I'll give up on you. I'll give up on you when God does. But until he does, I'm not giving up. And there are scripture from Genesis to Revelation that say God has not given up on you. That his mercy endures. It reaches. It runs to you today like the father ran to the prodigal. That the love of God is so strong that it can overcome all of the issues in your life and uncomplicate your life one miracle after another. And no part of my soul would run from you just because you're in a mess. No, there is a gravitation of grace to the messiness of life. And I'm going to run to you just like Jesus would until you get back on your feet again. Because there's a life for you. There's forgiveness for you. There's a future for you. And nothing of the past has the power to undermine what grace can do in your life. Gatorade moment right there because there's nothing that compares with the grace of God. See, if you're locked up today, this is starting to make sense and it's starting to make you think like, really? Yes, really? Really? For you? Yes. So these religious people, somehow, they catch this lady in the act of adultery. It's an interesting story in the Bible. They bring her and throw her down at the feet of Jesus. They then pick up rocks because the cultural tradition says anyone caught doing what she was doing, they now have the right and they're going to take their right and they're going to kill her. There's Jesus, a lady on the ground, and all these religious people about to follow through. And Jesus says, wait a minute. Let the person who's never fallen cast the first stone. Okay, she's down. She's out. Anyone here who's never fallen and been down and out, you go first. 
you know the story, one after the other, they, they just turned and walked away, and now you just have Jesus and a lady who's been knocked down by her own four sinful choices. And this is a very important moment to wrap our minds around how Jesus and grace functions. What's he going to do? The Bible says that Jesus did not condone her lifestyle, neither did he condemn her. What Jesus did was he knelt down and got in the dirt with her and he looked at her and he said, now get up. He said, get up and go, go your way, like go into your future and don't do this anymore. Like don't get in this trap anymore. This is destroying you. This has got the rooms of your heart all messed up like that dining room where Ron worked. Don't do that anymore. Get up. But Jesus, there's too much there. It's too messy. It's it's pointless. I, I know me. I don't trust me to be able to function successfully, successfully between Sundays. I'll do this again. He said, get up. Get up. Get up. Like, there's no way. See, it's like our heart condemns us and wants to counter the grace of God. dare for a second trust your heart I heard a man say this past week whoever fed us the line of just follow your heart that's foolish don't follow your heart follow what Jesus says your heart can condemn you your heart can deceive you your feelings can do a number on you some of you you just you feel so guilty and so guilt and shame that has become your reality that has become your identity because that's how you feel, so that must be who you are. And that's who you're going to be, and there's no changing it. And you'll prop yourself up, and you'll move on, but you know now you've just surrendered to something secondary because there's no cleaning up from what you've done. I'm telling you, that's the condemnation of your heart. But Jesus is greater than your heart. That's, those are your guilty feelings. But God is greater than your feelings. And though a righteous person falls seven times, they will rise again. And I think today is the day for many in this room to get up. I feel faith in this room. You say, I don't feel it. I feel it for you. You say, I don't think I can. I think you can. Get up today. God is good and God is gracious and God is powerful and God is loving. God is kind. God is holy. He will not in any way condone a life that is sinful and where poor choices are made, but He doesn't condemn you. He wants to convict you, to move you to repentance and to change your heart, to wash your soul, to make you as clean and as forgiven and as free as you could imagine so you can literally run into the future. Today, 
I have come with a passionate prayer that many who have fallen down in sin would get up with your eyes closed. You say, Ron, that's me. Here in a moment, I'm going to ask you to take this action and to literally get out of your seat and come to the altar and meet me here. And I just think even in the action, there's a surrender of your heart. It'll make it meaningful to you because you're doing what you can. You can't forgive yourself. You can't clean up your soul. You cannot lift the shame. Jesus will do that. But you can get up from your seat as if to say, I believe that God can do it. Or you get up from your seat saying, I want this to happen. Whether you believe it can happen, you will at least take that action as a surrender to the potential of grace because I certainly believe that it can happen. If you've given up, I'm talking to you. If you've just given up and so you've learned to cope and you're just going like that, I'm talking to you. If your level of giving up makes you even have thoughts of ending your life, I'm talking to you. Don't give up. Get up. Get up. Get up today. God is good and He loves you. And I'm going to ask this team to begin to sing this. And if this message has reached into your soul, there's failure, there's addiction, there's sin. Maybe it's full-blown or maybe it's in its infant stages in your life. But you know it's time to get up. Come out of that. Surrender to God. Let Him clean you up. Let Him wash you. Let Him empower you for the future. As they sing, I want you to begin to stand and come. Many people are going to be coming. And we're going to celebrate because you're going to be one of those testimonies of someone leaping into the future and the vision God has for you, the dream He has for you, rather than staying down in your sin and your shame. Are you ready? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be life-changing. Come now. Just come. Stand and come and meet me right here.
just sing these words. It's awesome. righteousness of God you've been made righteous by Christ Jesus and God sees you through the lens of the cross not through your actions none of us would ever have a right relationship with God or the hope of sins forgiven and an eternity in heaven if it were up to our righteousness he sees us through the finished and perfect work of Christ today. 
That's why Paul could write in Romans chapter 8, there is now, right now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That's the truth. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it has made you free from the law of sin and death. May we walk, Lord, in truth, and may truth set us free. May we walk carefully and work out our salvation. May we experience this grace until our identity is shaped by grace and who we are in you. May we see the future with the hope that is ours in you. Thank you, Jesus, that you helped us to get up. Thank you. You helped us to get up again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just tell the Lord in your own words how grateful you are to Him for the many times He helped you to get back up. Just tell Him. You know your story. Praise Him out of that story. Thank you, Jesus. Such a good Father. So loving. So kind. Merciful gracious, powerful, helpful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is a special moment. Just lift your hands if you feel comfortable. Lift them up. Lift them up and love it. Just love it. The Holy Spirit is here. Appropriate the love of God to your heart. Allow the love of Jesus to overcome your fear. Lift the shame off of you today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks to God for His love. I could have everybody's attention just for a moment longer. We are celebrating a 50th birthday weekend. So we have a special uh, cake presentation here. Pastor Steve, come on out. Come on out, Steve. Pastor Ron, come on out. Hey, 
Hey, you only turned 51, so we have enough cake for everybody. We have cakes in every lobby today as you leave today. Hey, hey, but let's, uh, let's give a huge energy boost and just applause for Pastor Ron right now. Come on. He talked about the Gatorade moment. Let's get ready. Ah! There's cake in the front lobbies and in the kids' lobby. I'm gonna ask Pastor Ron and Kelly, if you'll greet folks in the kids' lobby, we'll have everybody get back there, so you'll be in the back lobby, yep. Yep, if we can get y'all back there. You can get cake in any lobby, your kids can get cake. Plenty of cake for everybody. Everybody have a great day. Have a great Sunday.